This episode of the Order 66 podcast is brought to you in part by our sponsors, Buy.com and GoDaddy.com. Also, due to the generous contributions of Jared Rocher, Rasher, sorry, a.k.a. Knight Errant JR from Rantoul, Illinois, Trevor Chapman, who you all know from Fragments of the Rim from Ontario, Canada, and our own Donovan Morningfire. This episode is for you guys. This is XAIR Mark 99, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. This is Daryl with Reaper Miniatures, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. This is Reaper Brian from Denton, Texas, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Welcome, younglings. Today is Tuesday, May 19th, 2009, and we're back for Order 66, number 67. Thank you very much to Sam Whitwer, who you just heard voicing the Emperor. yippee ki We have a real awesome. pseudo-thing going on here, and... That's awesome. I am GM oh. Dave, by the way, and while I'm getting stepped on, here's GM Chris. <laughs> I can't contain my excitement. What is up, Gamer Nation? Uh, I am GM Chris, and uh, for those of you who may be sitting down to this table for the very first time and pulling out your dice, this is the Order 66 podcast, the only fan-generated podcast entirely devoted to the greatest role-playing system to ever hit a group of gamers in need of good gaming sustenance, Star Wars Saga Edition. And uh, joining me, of course, is uh, uh, the lovely and uh, sultry Twi'lek Goodness. What's up, TG? Yo, how's it going? Uh, yes. <laughs> See, I think, Dave, you were just whining about getting stepped on. Oh, yeah, sure. It's not that big a deal. No, not, not really. And you can know to expect it more when I'm on. I step all over your toes. Oh, well, I, I come to expect it's it It's what I do you. best. I come to expect it from and you. And I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. That's not a big <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So you guys just go ahead with the show. I'll be back in about an hour. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, with us, guys, today, we have a very special guest. And we will call him Reaper Daryl, for <laughs> lack of a better term, from Reaper Miniatures. Are you with us, Mr. Daryl? Absolutely. Oh, there uh, he is. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Hey, hey. So, Chris, you know, let me get let me let you do this because uh, you were out there the whole time at Reaper for the uh, for ReaperCon. Yeah. I was only out there for two days, so go for it, man. Take it away. Well, I, I, I don't know what to say. We uh, th- this show is is a wonderful ReaperCon extravaganza. 
Um, we're going to be doing some of our regular stuff, but also talking all about the goodness that was ReaperCon. And uh, TG and I are out there for the whole con and uh, got a really good chance to know uh, Daryl here. Daryl Roberts is the uh, – uh, what is your title officially, man? Are you are you a customer care rep, office manager, wearer of many hats? What uh, what, what should what should we know you as? You know um... – we don't we don't go in for titles at Reaper. I I, I do what I do. <laughs> I handle I handle helping people out with their orders. I do invoicing, and if you call in, you're going to end up talking to me. Awesome. Well, you're a good person to talk to. Um, we got to know you guys pretty well this weekend, and uh, had an absolute blast. And I just can't I can't wait to talk all about it and tell everyone what's going on. But first, Dave, if I'm not mistaken, I do believe we have some announcements. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisitions. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. All right, so I'll take the first one only because it's my show, my other show. Good! My other show. <laughs> Dude, this was an awesome show. Take it. Holocron number 11 is up, boys and girls. It is an epic win, to say the least. Sam Whitwer shows up, and two and a half, almost three hours of uh-uh. nonsense ensues. You will find out who the true villain of Karate Kid actually is. And you'll find out that movie phone guy moved away after he got back with his girlfriend. But anyway, we talk all kinds of badassery about Star Wars The Old Republic and get Sam's take on the video game itself and what he wants to see in it. And it was a very popular episode, I might add. And we'd love for you to listen to it. So it's the Holocron, episode number 11. You guys check it out. It was good, dude. I really liked it. Uh, we had, we had God we had a lot of podcasts come up this past weekend yeah heck yeah I mean there was that one um, meanwhile the super gaming podcast uh, mostly Joe and his crazy guest grabbing mind powers uh, have brought forth uh, Feng Shui's own Robin D Laws for episode fourteen of Meanwhile and for Pete's sake man what Brev got like two casts up up this weekend yeah I, it's a record it is a absolute record for Brev. Um, there, he has not had two casts go up in the same weekend since, well, ever. So, ever. yes, Minnie's Mayhem didn't take near as long a break as it did for the last episode. And this time, they have scored. Yeah, in fact, they've just scored. Let's just cue the hockey horn right here. Because Brev and Tenny sit down for two hours with basically the man of the minis himself, Sterling Hershey, and it's glorious. It is glorious. I, uh, it, was, it was a great episode. Of, or What I listened to is I'm about halfway through it um, because it's so freaking long. Yeah. And, um, it, dude, it was, it's, it, it's fantastic. So if you guys are fans of Star Wars minis play, um, definitely tune in for that. That's totally awesome. Yep. And then if he couldn't be outdone, he put together another two-hour show just about with Jed for reel number five of Cinematic Attic, and they go through 28 movies that are coming out this summer, 
and you get their take on every one of them, and then you get their top three that they want to see at the end of the, or sometime during the summer, and I got to tell you that one of them is on my list. Really? Which one is that? Well, it's Star Trek, because since my wife fell asleep on Friday, we didn't get to go see it. Oh. Did you hear that, TG? Yeah. Hey, well, that means that maybe since my husband hasn't taken the initiative to take me to see it, then maybe we can go together. He saw it without you? No, he hasn't taken the initiative to take us no, to see it. Oh, you I haven't, haven't seen, seen it either. Oh, I figured you would have seen it over uh, uh, opening night. Gee whiz. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. All right, well. Do you hear that? You hear that animosity, Daryl? This is what this is what we have to deal with here. Daryl, I'm not. Actually, this I'm, is deserved. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just thinking I'm the only one. You know, I'm not a Star Trek fan, and I was the only one dedicated enough to see it on opening night. Oh, snap. Golly, oh, see if you oh. ever get invited back. <laughs> oh man holy smokes <laughs> That's i guess i'll just keep this uh this lightsaber wielding wookie here then oh well in that case daryl we're really <laughs> glad you're on the show and we you can't wait to have you week. back yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh dear well, also rounding out our podcast glory uh, this past weekend. Now, I know since we've last had a show, Game On um, has actually won my hearts and minds with two podcasts, episodes 20 and 21. Show off. All, oh, God, yeah. But but it's worth it because these episodes are all about the creation of their new RPG campaign. And, yes, it is Star Wars Saga Edition. <laughs> Come to the dark side, my pits. They're just it? trying to win brownie points from you. Yeah. Brown nosers. Brown nosers all. Yes. Yeah, dude. No, seriously. Um, it's very interesting because they're having a two-person game. I don't know if you guys have heard the episodes yet, but they really give some fantastic advice for people that want to play a two-person game. And in particular, they're going for seriously non-combat heavy games. So they're both making nobles. Um, very... So t- so two-person game, that means one person's GM and one person's playing? Uh, no, 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 no. Two, two PCs. No. Oh. Okay. Did you hear that animosity right there? Uh, no, you stupid. Why? My goodness I, Yeah, gracious. I get it just as much as I give it. And I it's Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> oh let's bring Fiddle back in. We're going to need some counseling. <laughs> I hate it when Mommy and Daddy fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Fiddleback is in Echo Base. Of course, our live Imperial chapter. Troops have entered the base. Troops have entered. Welcome to Echo Base, from the scum. We're the Empire, and we're here to help. Thank you. I e- forgot we had that. Echo Base. Echo Base! There's 50 uh, of you in there right now. Thank you very much. And uh, you guys can, of course, get to the live vidcast at uh, ustream.tv slash channel slash d20 radio and uh, watch us in all our glory. And the best way to find that link, of course, is from our website, www.d20radio.com, where you can also find links for swag, um, where you can, of course, get your own d20 radio t-shirt, as well as download a host of free... uh, gamer aids and, and modules and GM aids and player aids and... A whole slew of crap that our community is Kool-Aids? Together. No, not Kool-Aids. We oh. go to the store. Kool-Aids. Get that. All right, is it free? Kool-Aid. Totally free. It's totally the free. Kool-Aid. No, is the Kool-Aid free? Yeah, the Kool-Aid's free, too. Okay, okay. for the last time, there oh. is there is no Kool-Aid. 
Yeah, oh. yeah there is. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear. Okay, okay. Contests, ladies and James. Man. Contests. Now, Dave, you do you you remember when I brought this trove of stuff that Daryl was so kind to to help get our way? Uh, this this trove of Reaper goodies I brought back from uh, from Reaper. Uh, yes, I, I I saw it. I saw that. Uh, I I seem to remember that there was a whole lot more in the box than we're actually giving away. But you know, I you know. Oh, okay. That is not only unfair; it is untrue, good sir. It is untrue. We're giving away every scrap of it. Uh, it's not scrap, though. Oh no, it's not. It's very good mm-hmm. stuff. I it's saw this stuff. It, it's very, it's very good stuff. There's, there is a whole mess of paints and minis and brushes and all kinds of great stuff. And the point is, we're taking this whole trove of Reaper swag and we're dividing it up to create two prizes for two contests, which are going on right now. And all you have to do to get the swag for yourself is participate and win one or both of these new contests that are up currently on the d20radio.com forum. In honor of our good friends at Reaper Miniatures and the glory of ReaperCon that has passeth, we want to see your custom Reaper minis. Yes, indeed. Pull out your glue, your clay, your paints, in conjunction with Radio Free Homlet, two contests are occurring. We want to see your best sci-fi or Star Wars miniature and your best fantasy D&D miniature. The rules, you must use a Reaper miniature, which can then be modded as necessary, simply kept in all its glory before you or, or simply kept in all its glory before you paint it. We want to see your best stuff, okay? Each listener is allowed a single entry for each one of the contests. Yes, you may enter both. And D20 Radio contributors are allowed to submit. But by doing so, you revoke your right to judge in the competition. And Daryl, correct me if I'm wrong, Reaper will also be helping us judge this, yes? Absolutely. We'll be happy to. Wonderful. So pull out all the stops, Gamer Nation. The contest ends June 15th, 2009. Further details and info are posted as global announcements right now at d20radio.com slash forum. Hey, little crosstalk here. Yo. Can we extend the deadline to June 30? Sure. Want more time? I, I don't want more time. I just think I just think that it would be good to give them more time. Longer than a month? Got it. Got it. Just a little bit. I just, you know. That is acceptable. No, no, no. This is very good. This is a very arbitrary deadline. Originally, like when I posted the contest up, it was like June fifth, and everyone was like, "What are you insane?" And I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay, okay. I'll, get, I'll throw in a June fifteenth. Well, okay, well, no. All right, we'll make it till the end of June, the last day of June. I mean, I just saw, I just saw with my own eyes over the weekend how long it takes to paint these things. This is very. True. And for those of us that like have jobs, you know, it, you know, if you can only devote half an hour to it, you can get like the tail done in one color and that's not even any accents in like a day. So I can just, you know, anyway, I'm just feeling out there. I'm not putting, I'm not painting a mini or anything for it, but I feel as though you and myself and probably TG are disqualified from it. But the rest, heck. Heck. That's a big heck. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I was talking to um, Kate and uh, Jackson over at Homlet. Yeah. And they, they said after the announcement, they already had started working on the Star Wars mini they were going to submit for uh, for the, the 066 contest. Oh, wait a second. You know what? If you and, and TG actually do want to, I, I would think that why don't we just make the Reaper guys the judges, and that way the D20 radio people can actually get into it. That's not a bad idea. We just be totally free of all our prejudices and biases. Have yeah. Reaper be the entirety of the judges. Yeah, because they, they kind of are the experts. 
This is true. This yeah. is true. I'm th- and I, they just they just did a you know mini competition. Oh so, uh, good lord! Did they do a competition? God, wasn't that insane? It was, it was, and we will come to it. All in good time, my excited friends. All in good time. Oh, yes. Chris, I have to say, I feel like you're railroading this conversation. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I'm I'm GMing the podcast. Yes, yes. Not the first time you'd be accused of railroading. (laughs) Just wanted to say that. Okay, carry on, carry on. I think we have something... Some kind of goodness to talk about and not just Twi'let goodness, right? No. no, it's con goodness, man. Con goodness. It origins. Um, the Origins Game Fair in Columbus, Ohio is coming up June 24th through the 28th. And for those of you who are D20 Radio fans, our own Vader's son, Duncan McEwen, will be representing D20 Radio. In the house. At or- yeah, yeah. Um, he'll be at Origins with the second of D20 Radio's convention modules, The Death of the Star of Agnor. And uh, it's very, very cool. Duncan will be running this, lots of this, uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m., Friday at 2 p.m. And he'll also be running The Betrayal of Darth Revan at 9 a.m. on Friday. That's again, 9 a.m. on Friday. And uh, also, Duncan will be running his second favorite gaming system of all time, <laughs> Dark Conspiracy with the adventure Terror from the Woods at 10 a.m. on Sunday. And um, where can where can people find out more about this amazing, amazing convention? I don't know. Probably at originsgamefair.com. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a fair guess. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a fair guess. Really? <laughs> All right. Well, you know, what are you going to do? Anything? 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 You got nothing. You got nothing. I do I got nothing. I got nothing. See? I went for it and it failed. Nothing. Nothing. Golly. My, my homage to Sam. I figured you know I, I figured have... that you would have gone down to the mailbox or something, you know? I mean... Well, I was about to say, I do have in my hands a postcard uh, from our good friend, Commander Cody. And, uh, uh, well, folks, I'm staring at this. It's, it's kind of hard, though. This postcard is very, very large. Um, almost as if it was crafted by giant hands. And it's slightly moist and shiny. Uh, an artfully painted picture of a watery world with glaciers at its poles and islands dotting its surface is ringed by the overly large words which read, The Herglick welcome you to Giju, small one. Enjoy our large appointments and fine scenery, and please don't kill us. Please don't. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dive and GM Chris, Hi guys, I've been transferred back to regular duty this week, and my unit is on patrol rotation. We've been transferred for the last few weeks to serve on the watery world of Giju, right off the Rimmer trade route. I enjoyed it, Danny Sector, and Giju is no exception. A rather beautiful world of mild oceans and glaciers, Giju is home to strange species, the unmistakable Herglick. Most likely evolved from marine mammals, the massive whale-like Herglick are humongous creatures with blowholes that make the strange sounds when they clear their throats. Shortly after the dissolution of the corrupt Republic, the glorious Empire quickly nationalized the expensive shipyards and construction facilities of Giju, for the good of the galaxy, of course. 
The Whaleys didn't like that, though, and tried to subvert our glorious work. Now the boys in white responded quickly, of course, and crushed that fledgling rebellion, with the Whaleys wisely deciding to bow down to the might of the Empire before we could raise their planet to steamy dust. <laughs> Since then, however, we keep continuous garrisons stationed on planet just to keep an eye on these aliens. If you ask me, nothing that big without a proper nose should be trusted. So our unit is here keeping the peace and ensuring these aliens comply with the righteous might of the Empire. Well, boys, I better go. It's a bit boring for the squad, so I think I'm gonna go instigate a bar fight and we can put down with extreme prejudice. <laughs> for as big as they are, these hurglings sure don't care for a good fight. Later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. You know, it's a little weird. Cody's uh, transmission wasn't coming through very clear. He must be uh, transmitting through asteroids or something. It's just very strange. It's, it's probably it. Very, yeah. very strange. Yeah, you never know. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully he'll be all right. I mean, heaven forbid he died. Hmm. Well, I would love that. You have been wishing ill on that fine servant of the Empire for years. Um, I, I don't I don't like it. He's a good guy. Really. He's a clone, but he's a good guy. All right. Well, speaking of clones. And now, Stormtrooper Poetry. The last time I checked, we were winning the war. But that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. I know I've shot rebels, at least by the dozens. I got some of their friends and some of their cousins. We take over planets as easy as pie. We even took shots at that Skywalker guy. So could someone please explain to me why it is that every time we build something over about six feet tall, they take shots at it and blow the crap right out of it. I mean, it's not like we paint a target on the side or nothing. I mean, we lost two Death Stars, a bunch of AT-ATs. It's kind of ridiculous, really. I don't know why that should be the case. Stormtrooper poetry. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> Thanks to Fiddleback for his submission. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do say that he seems to be putting a little bit of thought into him now. I think I definitely. Uh, it's, you know, you know, but he certainly is an excellent poet. So, uh, you know, perhaps his training could be disseminated through the rest of the Empire. I don't know how he cranks those out so... So frequently. Yeah. That's a good job. That's what she said. <laughs> D20 docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Ah, uh, yes. D20 Docking Bay, boys and girlses. Indeed, we take listener questions, comments, feedback, and we put them out for all to see in an effort to try and sustain our beautiful game and answer a few questions <laughs> and give you some advice as we go. So, hey, this is the first time we've heard from Raving Dork in a while. Dude, no joke. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like he had a whole bunch of questions on episode 66 or anything. Right. So, Raving Dork has a follow-up question for Rodney's revelatory responses to dual gearing. 
on episode number 66. They were revolutionary. Revolutionary? Revelatory, revolutionary, however you want to say it. All right. However, however you wrote it, it's a word I've never seen before in your show notes. Well, you know what? Uh, uh, It's past spell check, so there you go. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, here's his question. There have been a lot of questions about dual gearing objects in the podcast, so here's another one. When dual gearing objects, what is the weight of the final item? Is it the same as the base of the larger item, or is there some other way of determining the weight of the final item? Hmm. I, uh, you know, I mean, seriously, <laughs> yeah, uh, put two things together, add them up. I, I think it's a pretty simple answer. Um, I think you might be seriously overthinking this a tad, RD. Um, myself and uh, pretty much everyone else on the inner tubes um, agree that the final weight is the weight of both original items. Um, if I, if I'm breaking apart the dual geared item and I'm putting its parts into the original, why wouldn't it be that way? Um, I, I you know, and people on the forums, well, maybe I can make an argument that it weighs like one and a half times the total. Why? To do this is complex, it is against KISS, and it's an easy, easy way to break the rules. It certainly was not the intent of the weapon modification. So that's that's uh, my answer to that and uh, most everyone else's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. So uh, if I have a nickel and I uh, have another nickel, then I, I'm guessing it weighs two nickels. It doesn't weigh but, a dime. But, but, if, but, if, but if I cut all the parts of the nickel in half and then I glue them in different places to the original nickel, would it weigh less? I don't know, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I caught yeah. my first tube. No, yeah, never mind. We're not going to get into that again. So, so now he- You're going down, Bodie. Bodie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, TG, you were going to say something? Well, to ask Daryl, if you take one, one mini, one Reaper mini, and you cut it up, and you take another Reaper mini and you cut it up, so like you take the gun off of one Reaper mini to glue it onto a... Um, Sasquatch to make it look like a Wookiee. Does it weigh less now? Oh, hey. If you take the Sasquatch's gun and give it to the Wookiee, the Wookiee has two guns. I I think the real lesson there is never give a Wookiee a gun. (laughs) (laughs) See, it takes Daryl to take a step back and understand what it is we're talking about here. Okay, so let's move on. Speaking of Wookiees, um, IRL Potato has a question about massive damage he posted up for the Gamer Nation to have a crack at. So let's take a look. Are there any rules for massive damage that I've missed, like more than 50 hit points from a single attack? Or damage that's two or three times the damage threshold? My instinct is to either move them X steps down the condition track if the damage is X time the damage threshold. Or make the track damage persistent. Or I guess the the you know the step down a condition track make it persistent. Mm-hmm. Ideas, thoughts, safari animal shaped cookies. All right, okay, we got the Discovery <laughs> Channel thing going on here. Uh. I vote safari animal shaped cookies personally. Yes. Yeah, me too. Look at the gazelle. Okay, so you know I did seventy two points of damage in a single hit that Chris errantly disallowed. You remember that? Well, uh, yeah, but that was back before we had the dev clarification, and yeah. I let them block that. But, you know, it was a destiny point. But either way, 
But no, he brings up a good point. And and listen, Potato, per the rules as written, this is not the case. If you have 100 hit points and you take 99 hit points of damage, you move to one hit point and minus one step down the condition track. All of the, all other things being equal, assuming that beats your damage threshold. Right. Anything else? I mean, is is fairly well house rule territory, and it's not a bad house rule either. Okay. I mean, why? For Pete's sake, Dave, TG, some enterprising soul might very well take it upon themselves to write up such a house rule and post it and maybe are suspending the rules thread on the forums. And it might very well get featured in a podcast. Brilliant! Brilliant! Ah, yes. Okay, yeah. So you guys do that. Do that and get featured because y'all all want to be famous. You know you do. Ah, just do it. Do it. Do it. Okay, TDR Starfish posted up a question from the wilds of Berlin. <laughs> Berlin, wildest place on earth. It is. I mean, boy, I mean, that's just concrete jungle out there these days. You know, the wall fell. Shaka, when the walls fell. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Jihad. No, Jalad. You're right. Jalad at Tanagra. That's right. <laughs> yes, Picard and that guy at Eladrid. I forgot what his name was, though. But anyway. So, TDR Starfish posts this question. Can you use all the grapple feats with a garrote or shock whip? I have no idea. I mean, can you pin and crush your target with these weapons? The descriptions don't give me any answer on this. And I simply don't know how to rule it. So, thanks in advance. Again, another kiss question. Well, yeah, um, it, pretty much. If, if the descriptions don't say you can use grapple feats with the weapon, you really can't, Starfish. Um, and neither one of these weapons, uh, the garrote or the shock whip, has been eroded. So it is what it is. Crush, that makes no sense to me for either one of them, though. The garrote has its own damage that it deals without you having to crush the foe, and doing your unarmed damage uh, per crush doesn't really make any sense. And the shock whip shouldn't be able to crush anyone at all. You might be able to make a case for pin, maybe with the garrote, since you're like you know strangling them to death, um, but certainly not with the whip. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe as a house rule, but uh, it is not part of the weapon description. And there are weapons out there that say you can pin or trip and do stuff like that, and that is not the case with these two. What's a garrote? Um, you ever see the spy movies where they got the, uh, the the piece of wire with the handle on either end that they sneak up behind you and slip it over your head and you know choke you to death with it? Yeah, that's a garrote. That's it. I wouldn't see Why anybody crushing with that. Why not just take a piece of piano wire? Uh, well, you know, you don't want it to face a perfectly good piano. A liquid cable. Funny enough, they typically were made out of piano wire. Ah, uh, yes. Enough. But they did set out the garrote in Scum and Villainy, and it's really a nasty weapon. It doesn't do a whole heck of a lot of damage, but it automatically moves you down the condition track for every round that you do the damage. Yeah, because you crush, dude. Name's dude. Crush, man. Name's Crush, dude. You're taking on the jellies. <laughs> so what if you were, like, you know, dual wielding it, so you're using both hands? Could you not be crushing or pinning somebody with it? Well, you have to use both hands to wield the garrote anyway. What about the shock whip? If you use the shock shock whip with both hands, couldn't you pin someone? Ha- or well, crush okay, them with it? Think about it this way: If I'm, regardless of whether I'm holding the weapon with two hands or one, can I conceivably hurl a whip at you, wrap it around you, and crush you with it? 
Crush, dude. <laughs> I just, I can't, I don't know. I, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. And per Raw, you can't do it. But yeah, I just can't see it. Maybe pin. I can see maybe you wrapping the whip around them so skillfully that you tangle them up and they can't move. But even then, that's a bit of a stretch for me. Is it? I mean, is it really? Really, it is. I Okay. All right. Well, I oh, suppose so. I oh, mean, uh, you're talking about whips, right? No, don't even go there. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't going. Oh, well, I, I don't. I don't think I was really going there. Uh, I don't know where you're going, sir. But you know, whatever you say, man, dude. Like, Booty. like totally, man. Okay, Call so I guess, um, I guess we can move on now. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah, maybe, 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 maybe not, maybe not. Okay, so uh, we got an email from this dude. All right. Um, I I really don't know what to make of him because, well, uh, you know, quite honestly, he I've he- I've heard him sing a song here. Yeah, that guy. That guy, he calls himself Sam. I just called him Vader Secret Doomsdown. Yeah, Vader Secret Doomsdown. We call him that, too. So, anyway, he has a couple of questions. Okay. See, I try to call him, but then the police tell me I can't do that anymore. Straining orders suck. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Okay. So, the first question is about dogfighting. Okay. Okay. Dog fights are nasty. You never want to stick your hand in the middle of a dog no, fight. No, you not, might get not, bit. Not, not that kind of dog fighting. We're talking more Luke Skywalker, not Michael Vick. Oh, 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 okay. There you go. Okay, so Michael Vick calls in with a question about dog fighting. And he says, let's say that I've got a PC and a starfighter and three enemy fighters engaged with him in a dog fight. Yeah. Does, he, does he get to choose the target? Roll opposed pilot checks, and if he wins, can he fire on that target alone as a swift action? Or or do all the pilots make rolls, and if the PC beats all three, he can fire on any that he chooses? Or if he beats two, he can fire on only those two, but the third can fire on him? How does that all work? My goodness, my head hurts. Yes. Okay. Because there's so many options. There, well, there, not really. Um it's, it's a good question, Sam. And for those of you following along, Sam is referring to page 171 of the core rulebook where the rules for dogfighting are laid out. And per the rules as written, or raw, when in a dogfight, you can't just make an attack roll to... You, you, I mean, you, you can't just make an attack roll to the ship you're dogfighting with. You can't just attack them outright. You have to use your standard action to make an opposed pilot check. Success, and then you can attempt to attack as a swift action. But the rules are very clear that you could only make a single attack with that action. So in your scenario, with one PC and three NPC fighters, the PC would need to choose which enemy in the dogfight with him he wants to try and attack. He'd have to make opposed pilot checks to attack that enemy only. Now, when he's being attacked, he'll have to reactively make pilot checks against anyone attacking him. Um, so... I hope that helps. Bottom line is you can only attack one person in a dogfight with you, and you need to choose who you're attacking. Okay. That makes sense yeah. to me. It makes sense. It makes sense. It does make good sense. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just like when two dogs are fighting. 
They can't uh, yeah, bite well, yeah. all of the dogs. They can only bite one at a time. Oh, uh, yes. And they have to choose which, do- choose which dog to bite. They have to choose which dog to bite, yeah. <laughs> or to bite the human that's sticking their hand in the middle of the fight foolishly. See, but then both dogs can bite the human hand, so... Yeah. Right, so you can still get hit twice, but they can only bite once. <laughs> wow. See, wow. See, now look what's happened here. We've, it's just, we've descended into chaos, I tell you. It's chaos. <laughs> My God. Chaos. Okay, so Sam's uh, second question was one that was, um, it has a little bit of a personal interest in our home game. So he opens up a can of worms by saying, do you think destroyer droids are underestimated as CL4? The SR-20 is really nasty, man. I feel like it should be at least a CL-5 or CL-6. Yeah. Okay. Let's discuss. Okay, see, my interpretation of how he wanted us to say discuss, there was discuss. Discuss. Get some coffee. Exactly. Like that. All right. Well, see, what I remember is him throwing three of those little (laughs) at us and then having to pull one off the board because we were obviously going to get killed. Okay, 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 okay. Now, before we, let me preface this discussion by reminding our players listening along, the droidica, or destroyer droid, found on page 200 of the core rulebook. And its stat block says it is a CL4. Now, guys, you know that previously when we've talked about CL assignment, we've noted that the general rule seems to be the CL of one for every three non-heroic levels. And hey, hey, this droidica has 12 non-heroic levels. That would put it at a CL4. So is that justified? Sort of. But the shields, I'm, the shields really is what puts it over the top because you can't hit the damn thing. Well, you can hit it. You just don't do a whole lot of damage to it. But if right. you do over 20, you'll break its shield down. So after three good hits, you're hitting it pretty easily and doing damage. After four hits, the shields are gone. Right. I mean, unless it wastes its actions to recharge. And that that's that's almost worse than it attacking. Or, or I mean, you know, because you're, it's, it's not doing anything on right. its rounds. Right. But okay. But here's my CL. My, 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 my level nine character is only doing a base damage of 2d8. This little freak does 3d10. Okay, your, your level 9 character does a base damage of 2 die 8 plus 15. Oh, Don't yeah. give me that crap. <laughs> That's true. I forgot. Okay. 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 <laughs> to put it in perspective, okay, boys, settle down. Calm down. 3D10 to plus put what? It, to put it in perspective, a ultra battle droid is a CL3. It has 42 hit points, so it's only got two more hit points than this CL4. It doesn't have an SR, and it has two different ways it can do damage. A 3-die-6 ranged flamethrower and a 6-die-6 ranged missile launcher. And it's a CL-3, so it can do some heavy damage. But it's easier to damage it. Oh, yeah. You could take one of those suckers down in one hit. Bam. Yeah. Well, you could. But basically, I mean, it is the SR. The SR twenty is nasty. But I mean, and that's the other thing too. Okay, so if a Droidica is a twelfth level non heroic, it has twelfth level resources. And I mean, heck, a, a third level Droid PC can afford shields if he saves his money. Maybe he has a level a noble or two. Yeah. Is, is that is that imbalanced? No, I guess not. But well, well, but that's a PC. I mean, seriously, what do you guys think? Because you guys have both fought Droidicas. You saw what they can do. Do you think the CL four is an under is underrated? I don't know. Quite honestly, I think maybe if we'd been better prepared, probably not. 
Um, but that being said, if when we faced him, we couldn't really hit him all that well. Remind me when we faced him, because I'm not. Okay. Uh, do, do you remember like like the second home game adventure, and you were sneaking into Newt Findos's the uh, the Nemoidian crime lord? You were sneaking into his palace, and they had the, they had your character dressed up as a Twilight slave girl under the intention <laughs> of of faking that you guys were going to sell her to him. And as you guys broke through his place, you walked into this huge room with these fountains and plants, and all of a sudden, like three destroyer droids came rolling around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think at that point, Cat's Jedi picked one up and hurled it into the other for like massive damage. Something like that. Yeah. I don't remember what it yeah. was, but that sounds about right. But they weren't too hard. I mean, we weren't like dragging anybody out of that encounter. No, but you, I, know? I, you guys were CL two at that point. And I, in a show of stupidity, I threw three CL4s up against you. And yeah, I did have to take one off the board. Um, after, after, after one round, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take this away. This was a bad idea. I should have thought yeah. this out better. Sorry. Yeah, it was the, fir- the first round. I had already had the second wind. So that, that sounds like it's not so much a problem with the way the droid is statted out. Sounds, sounds like it's like a, problem. a problem with the GM. It does sound like a problem with the GM. Yeah, it sure does. It, it usually is, boys and girls. It yes. usually is. Wow, throwing the GM under the bus, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. High five, Dave. High five. Oh, yeah. Daryl, <laughs> Daryl, do you see what I'm up against on this? I mean, seriously, man, this is not, it's not cool, man. It's, it's not cool at all. Well, you know, it's your place to ensure that you throw them under a Star Destroyer. Oh, <laughs> I like the way this man thinks. Wow. Jeez. You, as if he needs any more ideas. I mean, good grief. He threw three CL4 droids at us when we were level two. Yeah, you know. And, He's always and, trying to kill us. Yeah, always. I know. Always. Always, always, always. So, all right. So, um, Chris, I understand that you took your habit to uh, Tatooine. I uh, I got an email um, from uh, from our good friend Watto, and uh, he you know, I, I've asked him to keep his ears and his his, uh, his you know his wings open for you know a certain item for me, and he did not disappoint. Hey, welcome to Watto's. This is Watto for Watto's bargain basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. Uh, we got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's bargain basement. Uh, what do you know? Ah, uh... <laughs> uh, yes. Watto says hi, by the way. Ah, oh, good. I'm happy well, for him. Yeah, Dave, I, I, I got to give you one of these, man. I brought back with me a fine box of hand-rolled cigars. Did you now? I did. And the location of these fine rolled sticks of tobacco were given to Wado by none other than Ranster872, who also happened to email this recipe to me. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> though the almighty Lucas has been wont to show the use of tobacco in the Star Wars universe... 
The Cigara has been smoked enjoyably by such notable characters as Lando Calrissian and Niles Ferrier throughout the EU. Um, so, uh, I, I really like this, and it's a wonderful way to put this into your game, especially if you want to create a character who is a smoker. Um, the various types of cigaras are made mostly of dried and rolled tobacco leaves, T-A-B-A-C, uh, which are addictive and mildly euphoric. Now, a character smoking a cigara receives favorable circumstances on persuasion checks and gather information checks. Yeah. As their aura of confidence and comfortability is boosted. Yeah. Now, after smoking a cigara, the tabac makes an attack roll of a 1 die 20 plus 0 versus the character's fortitude defense. Success, and the character <laughs> becomes addicted to tabac, suffering the effects of unfavorable circumstances on any endurance check they make <laughs> as long as they remain addicted. Uh, each day a tobacco addict goes without a smoke. They must make a DC 20 endurance check or move minus one persistent step down the condition track. To break the addiction, a character must go three days without smoking tobacco. That's After it? Three, that's it. <sighs> After three days, the addiction is broken, but any future use of tobacco or a cigara immediately re-addicts the character without any need for an attack roll. Yeah, baby. Wow. It should be 21 days, because you know they say anytime you repeat something 21 times, it becomes... A habit. A habit. That's right. So it should be 21 days, not three days. Yeah. Uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. And plus, you know, tobacco oh, and... stays in your system for like 45 days, so... Yeah. Oh, and on, on another note, Chris brought these home from Watto's, and they stink. They're nasty. He's not yeah. allowed to smoke them in the house. They're delicious. They're wonderful. No. They're fantastic. Uh, but either way, thank you, Ranster872, for getting that recipe to us and helping Wada locate those. I think they are fine and wonderful and can certainly add a lot of color and flavor to any good character and any good game. Indeed. Well, we're going to take a little break, and we'll catch you guys in a few minutes after we stop down for Alex Van D and Trevor C. and Fragments from the Rim. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment number 15 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen the feat entitled Desperate Gambit from page 21 of Scum and Villainy. GM Chris has spent some time discussing this already in a previous Docking Bay episode, and I think that he's right in describing that this might be one of those feats that's just a little bit too broke-tastic. It is really quite amazing. As it says, once per turn, when you miss on an attack roll, you re-roll the attack, but you take a minus two penalty to, re to reflex defense until the end of your next turn. If your first attack missed because you rolled a natural one, you can still use the feat, but to take a minus five penalty to reflex defense instead. And you must accept the result of the second roll. That is just fantastic. Getting to re-roll, and the minus to reflex defense isn't that big a deal, especially if you're a Jedi with block and deflect. You don't care about that much about your reflex defense in the first place. So why wouldn't you take this? And once per turn, that is really good. This is definitely a feat that I'm thinking about maybe house ruling. One that I might consider is perhaps once per encounter, maybe. Over to you, Trevor. And tonight I'm going to talk about Lightning Draw. And the reason I'm going to talk about Lightning Draw is that when Alex and I were prepping for this lovely little uh, recording session, having not had the chance to uh, have read this book as thoroughly as I would have liked, 
being scum and villainy. Um, I asked my son, who's probably read the book too many times, basically said my son, who's conveniently called Alex, no reason <laughs> that has to do with the other Alex. I basically said, Alex, which feat do you think is a really good feat to pull from this book? He said, automatically, without a question, didn't hesitate, lightning draw. And why he's all excited about lightning draw is because you need to have quick draw as a prerequisite for it. And as you know, with quick draw, when you draw, it's now a swift action. With lightning draw, it, it replaces that swift action with, uh, as a standard action, you can draw and shoot which means you no longer have to use your swift action to draw, so you get that swift action back. So you could theoretically use your swift action, draw and shoot, and still move. And that is a really nice ability to have when you're a heavy combated character, if you've been caught by surprise and you want to have that weapon out really quick. It's, it's really cool, and the fact that, you know, my son thought of it in, like, you know, a millisecond just makes it really interesting. Anyways... If you want to talk to us or have any questions or comments, please feel free to email Alex and I at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, keep having fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Okay. Stop down for just a second because Trevor is in the chat room. Trevor, 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 tell us what voice that is and do you use Screaming Bee's Morph Vox to do that droid? Because somebody at ReaperCon and... I don't remember who it was. Was talking about that droid wanting to use that that voice. It's uh, it's really kind of cool. It, it was Kevin. He was wanting to use it for our, our home games. Okay, yeah. Okay, I th- I thought it was I thought it was either you or Kevin, but I didn't want to speak out of turn. So, yeah, but yeah, yes, it is. It, okay, good, cool, awesome. S- screaming B, awesome. Yeah. So we just we just need the voice, the uh, the whatever thing. So. Modi- oh, modified female android voice. There you go. See? Very nice. So, yeah. Tell Kevin to get it. Do it. Do it. All right. Well, hey, you know what? I, you know, I've changed the normal music for our backgrounds for the main theme because I really love... I really love Duel of the Fates. Who doesn't love Duel of the Fates? So anyway, yeah, that's our new, you know, we'll go through some John Williams extravaganza. (laughs) As we get into the meat of the show, which is the ReaperCon extravaganza. Extravaganza. In a world. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, Daryl, thank you again for taking the time to join us tonight and talk all about Reaper and ReaperCon. Um, uh, Dave, I know you were out there for a couple days, and uh, TG and I were out there uh, for a little bit longer, and I, I just had an absolute blast at this con. It was so much fun. I didn't know what to expect, but I, 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 I got more than I expected and, and got things I didn't expect at all. It was, it was truly a good time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you guys could make it. Uh, we really had a blast having you out there. Uh, I do have to, to stop here for a moment and say that I do love the Duel of the Fates as well, but it, it seems almost like a GM in this room told me it was cliche over the weekend. Well, that's because, uh-uh. he's, a, that's because he's a rotten, silly bastard. <laughs> Actually, no. It was because I had a player in one of my sessions, because, which, which I've, I, I told you guys know I like using soundtracks for my games. And... Um, he had said to me, he said, uh, 
you know, you should have Duel of the Fates for this encounter. And I was like, no, I like this piece better. Duel of the Fates, very cliche for the Jedi versus Sith encounter. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> just for that. Not All right. the song in general. All right, I'll give you that then. Just for that. <laughs> You're too nice to him, Daryl. <laughs> I'm nice to a fault, I know. Oh, yep. no, not to a fault. Just to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, we're going to be spending the next good bit talking about uh, Reaper Miniatures and ReaperCon. We're going to revel in the glory of everything that is Metal Mini and all that went down at the con. And then we're going to talk about the cool stuff that Reaper did for us here at D20 Radio and how they made our Star Wars games that much better uh, with the conversion of some of their stock miniatures in some exciting and new ways. We're going to talk about that. So... Okay, guys, ReaperCon, four days of, of painting, sculpting, minis gaming, RPGing, g- glory. Um, good yeah. grief. First of all, first and foremost, obviously, Daryl, the, the, the highlight of the con is the minis. Let, let's talk about the painting events and the competitions at ReaperCon. What type of, of different, um, different painting competitions did we have? And, uh, and, you know, talk to us a little bit about what what all went on in that regard well this year was a real departure for us um up until this year the painting competition had been specific to reaper miniatures and had been very standard uh fair you know first second and third place in specific uh, categories you know uh, large model small model ordinance etc this year Anne really shook it up and went with a very much more open system where we were accepting miniatures from everyone, you know, any any background home built, and we we cut down a number of categories to open, painted, and ordnance. Open covering anything from you know home conversions, etc. Painted covering when saying specifically you want to be judged on your paint job, and ordnance covering uh, vehicles and other large. Uh, machinery and uh, rather than just awarding a first second and third place we went to a system where you're awarded based on your merit your miniature is judged in to itself not against everyone else and uh, you know it's it's a great way i think of uh, of judging a miniatures competition because everybody who did a good job gets highlighted not just the the three best quote unquote you know I think that makes the most sense to do it that way because there were so many amazing paintings and miniatures there that were just incredible. Some really creative ones, some really, gosh, the, wow, just the skill of the people who are painting these minis blows me away. Did you see the Monty Python one? Yes, that was awesome. With the black yeah, that's actually the... that was uh, done by some historics guys, um, and it's just one of the most creative uh, sceneries that I've seen in a long time. It was absolutely wonderful. I love the five okay. black knights there, you know, in in various stages of dismemberment. Yeah, <laughs> that was really cool. The one that cracked me up the most, I think, was the feed the fish. I think it won a medal of some sort, but it it had a, a fish converted mini, I think. Um, with kind of blood dripping out of its teeth or on its sword or something and had marked out the don't feed the fish sign and had little red markings on the side. It was in a fishbowl and it had a little fake um, finger in it. It was cute, creative, (laughs) and very well painted. 
Now, Daryl, Daryl, do you have pictures of the winners on the Reaper Minis uh, site, or um, will you? I know that we are going to have some pictures up. I don't know if they're up yet. I was actually out today, so I didn't get a chance to talk. Uh, oh yeah, still hung over. I know, that. Yeah. but uh, uh, we did have. I know. I'm looking at the website now, and it looks like uh, the big announcement we've just done apparently is uh, they have announced Warlord Second Edition. Uh, but we can get back to that when we're actually talking about gaming. Um, we definitely will have uh, pictures of all the winners up. Um, I know we had a crew back there specifically taking pictures of the minis. Uh, so I would look forward to those uh, easily within the next week. Awesome. And where can uh, listeners go if they want to see these pictures? Uh, what what website should they head to? Uh, that's www.reapermini.com. And uh, if uh, they're not linked on the front page, you just click on the forums and they should be under the show off section, which is where uh, anybody can go and uh, post a picture of a miniature they've painted that they want to uh, show off and maybe get some tips on. Awesome. Now, there were a lot of people, there were a lot of experienced painters there. I mean, uh, I mean, TG, I know, cause you know, I know you're, you're a, a novice painter yourself. Um, and, but even then you're infinitely better than me. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you'd mentioned that just by, by going and, and talking, you learned a, a great deal from a lot of the master painters they had there. Yeah. Um, but Daryl, I know there was also a lot of courses and classes that were being offered um, and not only painting, but also like sculpting and stuff like that. You guys had some pretty famous artists and sculptors out there, yeah? Absolutely. Some of the most famous in the industry. Um, we had uh, all, mo- almost all of our sculptors there. Um, Bobby Jackson uh, is, stands out prominently as far as uh, minis and armor. He, he was nice, too. absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah, Bobby's one of the nicest guys. I mean, all of our artists are just absolutely wonderful people that love to help and, and show others how to do what they do. Um, you know, um, there were only a few of our artists that weren't able to make it, unfortunately, and we're hoping that we can uh, have them in next year. Uh, one of the most prominent one is uh, Werner Klock. Uh, unfortunately, he lives in Germany and is working on his own miniatures game right now, so he wasn't able to make it. Uh, and then Bob and Julie Guthrie uh, were unfortunately unable to make it, but uh, uh, we're hoping that uh, we'll be able to get them back next year. Um, but other than that, we had uh, Trey Manor, um, Gene Van Horn, pretty much a large majority of, of the sculptors that you'll see on our website um, come in and teach classes, everything from the most basic sculpting up into advanced techniques, uh, you know, armor plating and such, um, as well as some of the more famous painters that you'll find out there, Jen Haley, uh, Jeremy Bonamontebleu. He comes from France to, to, you know, be at our show, which is a That's incredible. amazing. Um, you know, and oh, just oh. the number of people that will just come to to teach i mean it's it's not so much that they want to come show off so much as they want to be here to actually help people out uh laszlo laszlo gave us uh has a setup we're going to be selling his dvds at uh the asylum our uh our uh brick and mortar store now so uh, those will be available permanently in our store so hey i'm awesome. glad i'm glad laszlo came back i mean after he left in the rv with all the prizes that he won it was fantastic no. That, that that would be the movie, <laughs> the movie Real Genius, which yeah. is which is not Reapercon. 
What? Oh. You you're pulling a Krista. Oh. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not. Right, it's I'll not, read. I'll repeat not, back not, to my hole. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, dude. Well, Dave, you when you when you came out because I know you were there Saturday and Sunday. When you came out on Saturday, were you not? I mean, what were you expecting? Were you not blown away by just the, the miniatures and the painting and, and what you saw when you were there? Yeah, I was, but here, here's, where, here's where I was surprised. When I walked into their facility, you know, it was a, it's a warehouse facility, which I, which I expected. But what I did not expect was, uh, Daryl, was it Kevin that took me back there to show where you actually made the minis? I, don't, or, um, I think it was Brian. It it was either Brian or Kevin. I can't remember off okay. the top of my head. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it, one one of the two of them. Uh, no, it was Kevin. Kevin's the mold maker, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, it was Kevin. Okay. So, um, what 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 surprised the heck out of me is I was expecting. You know, I've I've toured, like the Coors facility of them. You know, making all their beer and all that i expected like you've toured the coors facility no i won't dignify that i was expecting something bigger i didn't what i'm i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying not to say this where it sounds condescending or anything but what they do on the scope in which they do it i expected to see this massive facility and i can't basically what i'm saying daryl is i can't believe you guys do what you do with the space that you have and the fact that those minis take like nine seconds to mold and create in that spinner thing. <laughs> well, just the <laughs> casting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the spin caster. Um, yeah, it's we have currently probably around, I want to say, 15 employees, and that's including uh, part-timers and everybody all the way up to the CEO. Um, we do quite a lot of work, especially for the scale. And it's always surprising to people. I mean, I, I get a lot of phone calls where people are asking if, uh, you know, this is our secondary facility or, <laughs> you know, uh, where the, the main facility is uh, once they actually see it, because uh, it really, we can always use more space, but we make good use of the space we have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. getting back to your original question, yes, I was blown away by the quality of the painting that I saw not only in the contest room, but, you know, what was on display as well. And yeah. going upstairs and getting to see and meet and interact with those sculptors, you know, I mean, dude, those guys, those guys are champs, man. They are gods among men and women, I might add. It's pretty eerie watching them work, actually. And, you know, they have these giant, uh, uh, you know, telescopic binocular lens things that pull down over their eyes, these huge magnifying lenses, you know? Yeah, and I, I, and I, I expected to see those. I really I really thought it was going to be like a jeweler, you know, doing yeah. his work, you know, with, with basically a loop, you know, and, and um, yeah, so that, man. Actually, amusingly do. enough, quite a few of the sculptors, uh, sculpting is not their primary job. It's their secondary job, and a lot of them are actually jewelers. Wow. wow. That makes sense. That makes good sense. Well, TG, what what were you surprised most by the convention? Because I think of all of us, I think you fell in love the most. Um, I, I think you you may have found a new hobby for life, moving from a a novice painter into a seriously dedicated minis painter. I think what surprised me the most about um, the the con was the 
atmosphere. Um, I've, I haven't been, you know, I'm not an experienced convention goer, but um, comparing it to the one that I have been to, Gen Con, which is, you know, huge, massive. It's tons of fun. There's tons of things to do, but it's it doesn't feel personal, I guess. And that's what astonished me. I was expecting this convention and seeing a whole bunch of strangers and feeling really awkward. And within a couple of hours, I felt like I was just in a room with a whole bunch of really good friends. And half of them, I didn't know their names, but it didn't matter. We were still enjoying what we were doing and having fun and learning so much just by sitting. And I guess what really surprised me was is how willing everybody there was to share, share their secrets. And it, it, and they weren't secrets. And I think that's the thing is they're like, you know, if you black line whenever you have two different um, materials meeting or two different sections meeting, it'll make it pop more. Or, you know, if you do this kind of shadow and mix it this way to do this kind of highlight, it'll make it look better. And everyone was just so willing to to be helpful and not, you know, say, okay, I have a technique to make mine the uber best, and I'm not going to share it with anybody. Oh, hey, that was so almost open. like your, that was almost like your Chris Geek voice. <laughs> I have a technique. It's fantastic. It's better than yours, and it'll win me the competition for sure. <laughs> and I'll get I'll get seven million Reaper bucks, and I can I can I can get the life size Sophie statue at the auction. I can buy every Sophie there is. Actually, it was a girl that was buying every Sophie there was. You <laughs> You guys need to get Brian on here to do his geek voice because he does a. Uh, he, you should have dueling geek off voice there because uh, that's fantastic. I'll, win. I'll so win. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's pretty good at it. Yeah. So I think I think with that said, it it says a lot about the Reaper crew and um, how hard they work to make sure everybody felt at home in a place that it's obvious that they feel like where they work is their second home. And it, it, it came across that way. And because of that, I felt so comfortable being able to go, being such a novice, go and ask questions. And as a result, my skills improved so much more, which made me want to do it even more, which means I spent, I don't know how much money at the asylum over the past three days and will continue to spend money at a reaper to get minis and paints and you, you because of the atmosphere that was created you've made me a lifetime um she's a lifer yeah i'm a and, lifer uh, well for myself and the rest of the people who you're keeping employed i will say thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i'm sure over the next lifetime i think i made this comment on the forums that um i will definitely be aiding in uh continuing reaper productions <laughs> you need to own <laughs> financial stock. support yeah there you go all right so i've been poking around a bit on our website here while we're talking and uh it looks like the the beginning of the pictures have started been being posted uh if you go to reapermini.com slash sg uh we have uh pictures from the con itself of uh various uh things going on there's a few for the uh the painted competition um but uh yeah a lot of it's just you know the artists making silly faces and stuff we got some great picks and you guys are going to see a lot come up on the d20 radio forums as well 
Um, in fact, I'm going to try and get them up tonight. Uh, picks of, of our games, as well as uh, the amazing minis that Daryl was kind enough to customize for us for our Star Wars games. And and speaking of gaming, uh, that was the other thing that there was a lot of at ReaperCon. There was a lot of miniature gaming and a decent amount of RPGs as well. Um, so in terms of the miniature gaming, Daryl, now I know you just announced that, of course, Reaper just made the announcement that that um, second edition of Warlord just came out, and that's that's Reaper's homebrewed miniatures game, correct? Yeah, it will be coming out. We're making the announcement now. Um, the specific date is, uh, let's see here, I've lost it. going to be July 27th will be when the uh, the actual soft cover is coming out um, and yeah that's uh, we have a, a system we call rage and it is a, a underlying mechanic so that you can you know take it and make multiple games off of it the original game that was made was uh, was called Cav and that was uh, big stompy max uh, and then we decided to go ahead and, uh, and get into some fantasy and uh, that's where Warlord came in, uh, and it's the 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 basis of the system is is that your different fighters will have damage tracks, so that as you become damaged, you'll you know become worse and worse at what you're doing. You know, distract distractions will make you less able to defend yourself and do damage. So um, it's a it's a skirmish game. It's uh, it's pretty vastly different than uh, most of the other games that I know I've played. So it's a skirmish game for for maybe people who are fans of Minis Mayhem, very similar to the the Wizards of the Coast produced skirmish games with their pre-painted plastics in terms of you're controlling one individual unit um, at a time as opposed to masses of units, kind of like, you know, uh, 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 Warhammer, I think would probably be the biggest example of when you're doing that, yes? I'd call it somewhere between the two. Um, gotcha. you'll, be, you'll be looking at probably, you know, somewhere like three to five uh, units and uh, solos. Um each one ranging from maybe, you know, uh, the solos obviously by themselves, but each unit, you know, ranging from around 6 to 10, maybe even up to 14 or larger if you have uh, mobs. Um, but uh, nothing like the scale of what you're going to see in Warhammer Fantasy, uh, yeah. where you're talking about 100 plus minis on the board per player. Now, one thing, Dave, did you get a chance to see this uh, in in the asylum in Reaper's shop? They had set up the a completely scaled model of the entire Reaper warehouse and offices, and they were having a uh, a, a rage system like Warlord style game going on inside inside that, where it was yeah, all I the Reaper it. employees versus zombies. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that okay. was absolutely brilliant. Is it true that Reaper has a policy? for what to do if zombies attack that yes, everybody we, has a job <laughs> we do in fact have a, a zombie uh, eventuality <laughs> plan uh, what we've had a, a few amusing things happen too uh, you know Kevin and I were in the break room one day talking about our zombie preparedness plan and uh, for those of you who've been there, we know that the, there's a sheriff's emergency station right uh, in the same facility as us. And we looked out and they were setting up these hazmat tents while we were talking about it. So <laughs> that, that was a thrilling day. Hey, that's where the boys at Denton County Aries keep all their stuff, uh, or Denton County Racies. I'm not sure what they are, the, the Radio Amateur Civil Emergency Service. They have their vans and all that. If you ever notice the amateur radio truck that's sitting there, yeah, yeah, those are the storm spotter boys that I belong to. Huh, well, there you go. 
Awesome. Small world. Very awesome. Well, I, yeah, I got to learn how to play the Warlord system, and that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I've done some minis gaming before um, in terms of, of, of like, uh, war gaming, but never on a skirmisher level, and that was, that was just a lot of fun. Um, now, of course, there was some RPGs going on. Uh, we had the, the Radio Free Homelet crew was out there throwing down. They threw down a lot of sessions of D&D, did they not? I mean... Yeah, their, their table filled up pretty quickly. Um, All the time. Just, you know, everybody was, you know, if, if, if they were between games doing something else, you know, and there was a spot empty, they would, you know, just throw down. Even uh, we have a, a buddy over at Sonic uh, who sets up a Sonic booth within the facility so that people have food available. He even managed to get in a couple of games of... Uh, of uh, fourth edition, so that was fantastic. He, he was at my table. He kept having to get up to go deal fiddle with the register. It was hilarious. Um. <laughs> that guy was really awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of the nicest guys you'll meet. And you know the things that the thing that I was really shocked about. I expected oh Sonic's going to be here, so that means all right. So if I want a drink, it's going to be four bucks. If I want a corny dog, it's going to be seven. Uh uh-uh. uh. I think I got I got Chris and I. A corny dog, and I got a a um, soda, and it was two dollars and fifty cents. And yeah. I looked at him, I was like, "Are you sure?" And he's like, "I'm not here to try to, you know, overcharge or or be ridiculous like that." Um, yeah, I, I was totally. totally blown away that he completely reasonable prices. That was awesome. That was that was totally very cool, and I I must have gone through. Pro- I, I think I drank his entire supply of Dr Pepper when <laughs> when when I was GMing because I get rather thirsty when I GM. Um, okay, so so okay, so ah, Reaper, it, Kevin in particular, who is Kevin? Is Kevin your master mold maker? Yes, Kevin okay. is the master mold maker. He's the master mold maker. I thought so. Amazing guy, um, and 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 a Star Wars fa- fanatic as well. Um, he has this little mold making area, the dungeon. He totally cleared it out for us to play Star Wars in. Uh, and I, I, when I first toured Reaper a while, a few weeks ago, I saw how much stuff was in there. He had all this stuff, and he totally cleared it out. I can't think of the amount of work it must have taken to do that, just so we could have this dedicated place to play Star Wars. And um, it was phenomenal. And so we ran these these Star Wars games. And Daryl, you had the you you obviously were in one of my sessions. And then Sunday afternoon, when we had a, a, a player drop. Um, or two players drop, and I, I just needed somebody to fill a fifth seat. Um, you were glad to take up that mantle again, and you, you played very well without metagaming. Thank you very much. Um, Not a problem. Uh, so, I mean, I, everyone seemed to have a really good time playing Star Wars. What did you think of the games that were going on? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. I, I mean, I got to throw down a session with the uh, the Homlet guys, too, uh, along with Kat, and uh, I have to agree with them, man. She's, she's dangerous if you give her a cleric. Uh, that dragon didn't uh-huh. stand a chance. Uh, <laughs> She's the, dangerous uh, no matter what you give her. <laughs> I, I would agree with that sentiment. Word, word. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I, I got to say, um, you know, everybody needs to really look forward to this uh, module you've put together because it is absolutely phenomenal. Well, thank you very much. Um, I, I will say, though, the biggest compliment I got about the game was not my module. And it was not the encounters, and it was not the soundtrack, and it was not me or the other players or anything else. The biggest compliment I got about the Star Wars gaming were the minis. Um, everyone who sat down at the table, literally their jaws hit the floor when they saw what you had done with Reaper Standard minis uh, from the Chronoscope line and, and, like, uh, and, and some fantasy minis as well, yes? 
Yeah, um, yeah, there was some Dark Heaven and some Warlord in there uh, where I needed it. And and you you took your time and you you modded these things to make them Star Wars. Uh, you you were able to craft two Jedi as well as some Dark Jedi, a Wookiee with a giant vibro axe, scoundrels galore, a Twi'lek noble, a Rodian sniper, um, even a droid, uh, and they looked phenomenal, dude. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it, it really blew my mind uh, how many people. You know, just came up to me at the con talking about the minis uh, and the sculpt, even the sculptors. I mean, I was able to show them to a couple of the sculptors and they just loved the fact that I had taken some of their fantasy pieces and uh, turned them into uh, Jedi. Well, yeah, they're, they, I'm sitting here looking at them, playing with them right now, actually. And they're just they're just incredible. They're they're fantastic. I, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to get picture, we're going to get pictures up on the website ASAP. Um, but th- this is kind of where I want to lead this discussion into, Daryl, because what impressed me most was the fact that, okay, um, so Reaper Minis are hardcore metal miniatures, right? But that doesn't mean they're cast in stone. <laughs> um, it is rather, from what you showed me, easy and actually rather fun to modify them, to add additional sculpts to them, to change them around, to bend them, to pose them, and to paint them to your needs. So what I kind of wanted to move this discussion to, if it's okay with you, was to start talking about ways to modify miniatures for use with Star Wars role-playing. Um, so, so talk to me, man. E- each of the miniatures that you provided for our Star Wars games, those were all existing Reaper miniatures from your current lines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, some of them are no longer in distribution, so you might have to order them directly from our website or from uh, other. Have your uh, your local game store order them from us directly. Uh, but they are all minis that we still cast and produce. Now, and, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no. So, so talk to me about the modification. I mean, what what tools are needed? What what tips can you give us for modification? I mean, dude, lightsabers. You put lightsabers on these things. On behalf of uh, Lucas Arts, uh, they're energy swords, Mister Chris. Uh, okay, you put energy swords on these things, dude. They, they looked incredible. Talk to us, man. What 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 tips can you give us? What did you do? Well, I will say the base tools you're at, at least the base tools you're going to want is a pair of uh, clippers, which uh, you should be able to get in any uh, any hobby store that deals with minis is likely going to carry them. Um, we keep them on stock on our wall. You're going to want some files and an exacto knife of some sort, as well as some super glue. Um, as far as actually the the most basic Jedi conversions, what I did was clip off a sword or a staff on a mini. Um, and then I have some uh, uh, Plastruct makes a uh, about a foot long rod of plastic, um, which the the exact number is uh, 90859. That's the if you want to look it up online, uh, and it's 0.080 round rod. And I just clip that to the to the size I need. And you can just, you know, round off one of the edges and then you want to file the other edge to make it uh, match smoothly with the area where you've clipped away your weapon. And uh, then uh, if, if you want to get a little more in detail, you can get a, a pin vise and drill a hole in both pieces so that you can put a piece of metal in there 
to uh, keep them together. But even a base glue job, you can glue it on there. And as long as you don't bump it too much, it should stay stuck. Um, and that uh, allows you to take a very large number of, of pieces and remove a weapon and, and put a, a lightsaber in their hands. Or uh, I did a few of them where I uh, also took some of our uh, weapons packs that we have in the chronoscope line and uh, just gave them different weapons. I love that, that you guys actually have packs where you just, just sell futuristic weaponry. So you can you can add them to a, a mini. Now, t- talk to me about one thing, Daryl. And I know, uh, TG, you, you'd mentioned th- this technique as well. That I, I heard this mentioned, but keep in mind, I'm a real novice t- when it comes to this. So I, I, you, know, I, you kind of have to explain it to me like I'm a four-year-old. People talk about pinning something. Um, People talk about... Does that mean what I think it means? Uh, yeah, it's it's you take there's what it's called a pin vise and it's a little drill bit uh, that matches the size of the wire you want to use and you just drill a hole in both sides of the material that you're going to glue together uh, and make sure that the holes line up and then you clip a piece of uh, wire to fit into that hole that you've drilled that way uh, you have this interlocking piece that will help keep the the piece steady should you bump into it or something it'll keep it from uh, or at least give it a better chance of not breaking off awesome now what about um, now you, you told me too that you were you were perfectly comfortable like cutting away some of the some of the metal and then regluing it in different positions is it possible to to bend uh, the the metal miniatures to suit your needs and if so are there any best practice techniques uh, any of our listeners can use when doing that yeah absolutely um it the the metal that we use is somewhat malleable um the for instance the wookie i've been talking about that i've been working on for dave uh i bent the the yeti that i've been i'm using uh i bent the arm forward um best case is to you kind of have to get a feel for it um you can kind of hear and feel when the metal is starting to stress um it's kind of hard to describe it's it's almost like there's a a tension you can you can feel um it also it's it's much easier to bend um especially when you're talking about swords or other thin pieces if you dip it in hot water or hold it in your fingers for a while to warm it up and that'll make it a little more malleable Cool, cool. Now, I was also very impressed with your paint jobs, and you told me that you only spend a few days doing them, uh, which kind of blows me away. TG, you're, you're looking at all those minis right now. I mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine doing that in like four days. There's... Yeah, they, they look fantastic. Of course, the one thing that I kept hearing over and over again um, whenever I commented on somebody else's minis and how well they were, they said, just practice you keep doing it and keep doing it and you keep learning techniques. And there was, there was one technique that I learned that winds up being pretty quick um, and makes such a huge bit of difference. Uh, Instead of just painting, you know, like a cloak, one color, you paint it a medium color and then you go back in and, uh, what they call a wash and correct me if I'm wrong here, Daryl, if I say something wrong, but you, you take a darker color than the base color that you put down and you thin it with some water and then lightly brush it onto the cloak. And with it thinned out, it'll fall into the crevices, the dark parts where there will be shadows um, just to make that shadow more prevalent. And then you take a lighter color than your base coat 
and um, I've read a couple different ways of doing it or been told dry brushing it or just make it really, really faint and touch on the, um, the, the upper parts. I don't know how best to describe it. So the parts that would be receiving um, more light, more light would be reflecting off of it. So if you've got the up part of a cloak or um, a pocket corner or a crease, the up part of a crease, you would put a little bit of, of the light color on it. And from a distance, it just really makes it pop and, and stand out. And it, and it doesn't take that much extra work, but adds so much to the mini. But yeah, it, you're, you're going in and creating the highlights and shadows because uh, when, when you're dealing with something on that scale, um, it's natural highlights and shadows aren't going to be nearly as easy to see. So when you go in and create them yourself, they really uh, pops out, especially like you said, with the when you do brown lining uh, to make a, a more natural transition as well. Now, one of the things that you also did to the minis that I was totally impressed with is you actually did some custom sculpting to the existing metal. In particular, for the Twi'lek, you created Leku. You created the tentacles to go on the back of her head. And you also created an elongated mouth and ears, uh, ear, ear, ear stalks for the Rodian. Um, how, how do you go about doing that? Uh, I, was, I used the same stuff that the sculptors make our, uh, our base greens out of. Um, it's called green stuff in the industry. It's it's a two-part epoxy that comes in yellow and blue, and when you mix them together, it becomes green. <laughs> uh, there's okay. also brown stuff, which uh, tends to be a bit more brittle, but will give you much sharper edges, so they'll tend to use that for uh, weapons and such. Um, I use that for, for making the lightsaber hilts. Um, it's a bit more advanced when you get start getting into that. Um, and uh, I only did a few things. I did uh, I did the leku, which was pretty easy. You just kind of roll a strand out and then just kind of smooth it onto the head after uh, filing all the hair off. But uh, the the more advanced one, the most advanced thing I probably did was the uh, shoulder plate for the Wookie. That um, was imp- that was impressive, um, by the way. Um, now, does Re- Reaper sells the green stuff though, right? Yes, we have green stuff and brown stuff for sale on our website. Awesome, awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, you can hop into our sculpting forum, uh, and they'll be happy. The people will always be happy to, to answer any questions um, with regards to working with it. It definitely takes some practice getting used to. I know I came from a sculpting with clay background, and it's very different because with green stuff, it's it's kind of rubbery, so you kind of have to get used to the way it uh, it reacts. Gotcha. Well, what is some of the best advice that you can give to a novice looking to modify miniatures for, for sci-fi or Star Wars play? Um, any, any just overwhelming tips or, or, or advice you can give? Well, as uh, TG was saying, uh, what, the one that, thing that all the artists say is practice. I mean, you know, don't be afraid to get in there and, and start whacking away you know, pieces from your mini and, and give it a try. Um, you know, if it doesn't look, if you try sculpting something on the green stuff and it doesn't look right, cut it off and try again. Um, yeah, same with painting. I mean, with the painting, you can, if you do nice thin layers, you can paint right over it again uh, most of the time. Or if worse comes to worse, you just dip it in paint thinner and 
take all the paint off it and restart again. Uh, as far as that goes, what I prefer is actually um, Simple Green, the cleaning solution you can pick up in uh, uh, most uh, cleaning aisles, uh, grocery okay. stores and such. It's made with mints, and uh, I think they use some citrus to it, so it's all natural and it's uh, not toxic at all, so it's uh, a lot safer to use. You do have to leave the mini in there for a day or two for it to loosen up the paint normally, uh, but then you can just hit it with a toothbrush or something else and the paint will schluff right off. Wow, fantastic advice. See, the, the Reaper green, basically. You know, you know, Reaper is contributing to a green planet with that advice. Phenomenal. <laughs> it's awesome with a capital A, baby. Uh, well, Dude, I can't express to you how much uh, we had a great time at the con and how, you know, either way, at least on our end, Reaper has customers for life. And it was uh, it was truly fantastic. I encourage anyone listening to this podcast to make time to go to ReaperCon. It is an absolute blast. And uh, while you're, you know, in the DFW area, maybe maybe throw down a game with the Order 66 crew, you know, because we're definitely going to be there next year. Not Not a doubt. Um, is it at the same? Is the con at the same time every year, Daryl? Um, it can vary a little bit, um, but normally it does tend to be the weekend after uh, Mother's Day. Obviously, we don't want to have it during Mother's Day because that could create some issues for some people. That would be bad. Uh, and uh, there are some other things where we have to kind of watch where we're going, but that does tend to be where we typically fall. Uh, we do try and announce it. Um, at least, you know, by the beginning of the year, uh, what date it is going to be. That way we just uh, can get that out for people. Uh, and typically we will try and get uh, tickets on sale uh, at least a couple of months in advance. Awesome. Well, dude, thank you so much again. I want to thank you for being on and sharing your wisdom with us. And uh, Gamer Nation, we're going to have the pictures of the amazing Reaper uh, minis that have been modded for our Star Wars module up on uh, the d20radio.com slash forums. I'm going to put it up as a global announcement uh, so you can all see. And uh, I, I just can't express what a cool event it was. Um, I know, you know, TG, obviously, her, her sentiment is well known. And Dave... You were just walking around on Saturday and even Sunday with your mouth open. I, I, you, you seemed pretty impressed by it all. I was, dude. It was uh, absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to go down there and up there, I guess, and on like Saturday and just hang out and maybe learn how to paint a little bit. It's Because, of course, the cool guys at Reaper do offer free um, painting classes on Saturday afternoons on site. Yeah. Which uh, <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. I, it's, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say class really. It's uh, we have paint club from noon to four, and uh, our our staff painter is there, and uh, you know, a lot of other talented painters tend to come up as well, and uh, just sit there and you know, kind of chat and paint together. And during that time, we have our entire paint line available for use for free, um, you know, and uh, and is happy to give uh, tips and techniques and critiques too if you're brave <laughs> yeah yeah that's a hard value right there you got you got to go buy you a mini but using the paint man i can't tell you that some of that paint looks simply incredible in the right hands in my hands not so much but uh you know 
Practice, I, though. I, I Practice. Just, I, 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 oh, and one of the coolest things at the con was the paint and take. Speaking of, of you just you, you sign up, you go, you pick out a free mini, you'd sit down with it and paint it and walk out the door with it. Or, um, if you were me, you'd sit and paint and sit and paint and then come back the next day and sit and paint. Yeah, and, exactly. And paint and, and then paint <laughs> some more and then continue and, to paint. Right. <laughs> I don't think I left. <laughs> oh, you know. Brave, of course, we also have speed painting, which is uh, oh. where you sit down and paint a mini <laughs> under an hour. Well, they did. We did a Sophie says speed painting where Cat and I. So, if, if for the gamer nation that the people who don't know, Sophie is their mascot, and uh, so Sophie, Sophie the succubus. Yeah, so Sophie got to torture us for a good thirty minutes. Um, sitting in a circle and telling us, okay, now paint with your non-dominant hand. Now place your mini in front of the person to your right and paint the mini that's in front of you. So you're painting your neighbor's mini. Now get up and walk around a circle while you're still painting with your non-dominant hand and painting the person to your right's mini. <laughs> Dang. Now sing. Now, now turn around in circles. Now sit down. Now... <laughs> you say Sophie says? Yes, yes. It had to be Sophie says. If Sophie didn't say, we couldn't do it. <laughs> wow. And I hear, I see, I hear, I think, that you guys are going to be in San Antonio in a few weeks. Is that right? I actually have no idea about that. Um, <laughs> they, they Boom. Way to put him on the spot, nothing. Dave. <laughs> well, I, 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 I thought I saw that on, like, the Reaper site. But, you know. It's quite possible. Um, I know we'll be at Origins, and uh, I know, of course, we are at Gen Con every year. Um, but uh, I don't know about uh, some of the other cons that we have around here. Oh, okay. Well, well there's, there's a good few. Yeah, we'll 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 check it out, you know, because that's the way we roll here on this Order sixty six, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how we we roll and 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 paint. Right, exactly. My husband's not very good at rolling. Or or painting. Just as long as you're not painting with a roller. Ah, uh, yes. That's uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. one of the or, girls that's from San Antonio says y'all are going to be at Dragon's Lair um, in San Antonio. Well, you know, I'm going to have to trust her because uh, we, we have Black Lightning representatives all over the country. And these are people that we have, uh, that we give... Uh, stuff to because they go out and they you know they take care of our people at the cons they run paint and takes and things like that uh uh just a wonderful group of people uh, as a matter of fact uh, tim peasley one of them is the one who made that scale model of our facility for the uh for the reaper zombie run uh which uh uh, he went through and actually made characters for each of us also, uh, giving us special abilities. Uh, mine was to choke people out with the phone cord, uh, which I thought was terribly amusing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, dude, thank you for being on. I think this is a wonderful, wonderful venue um, for a lot of Star Wars gamers who may not have considered it, uh, working to really, really customize your own mini. because And... TG, Dave, I think you can agree with me. Few things give you as much joy when you sit down to the table and you pull out your character sheet to also pull out your mini. I'm not talking about a mini in your bag that you use for everything. I'm talking about your mini. Custom painted, custom modded to look just like you. Yep. 
Yes. And it just uh, adds one more mm-hmm. one more thing to the game. Indeed. So, it's wonderful. Daryl, thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us today. And um, we had a blast, man. And I know we'll be uh, in cahoots throughout the year, no doubt. Hopefully we'll have you and some, and uh, maybe Brian, some of the other guys on as well, uh, to talk more about Minis Construction and, and Creation and all that therein, um, especially on some of our other casts as well. Because I know the, the Chronoscope line, which you guys produce, which is all like like futuristic and modern Minis, um, you guys have some superheroic stuff in there, which could be excellent for Meanwhile. And of course, your bread and butter is, is all your various fantasy Minis. Um, so I know RFH has been salivating to get you guys on as well. So uh, I, I, I can't wait. Yeah, I believe they've already got their claws into uh, Brian maybe for this week, so uh, we'll have to stay tuned for that one. Awesome. Awesome. All right, again, Daryl, thank you very much for spending the time with us today, buddy. Hey, anytime, man. I'm, I mean, like I was telling you guys in person, and I think uh, everybody out there should hear, you know, it was really amusing for Brian and I uh, when you guys got here how uh, – how much you geeked out about getting to the to our facility and how much we were geeking out about the fact that you guys were there you know it was kind of uh both of us were having our our little moments <laughs> i know it was, yeah. it was funny it was random uh random uh, our mutual geek out dependency <laughs> yes yeah <something> like that. <laughs> absolutely it was, it was kind of strange, though, dude. It was it was you know you know well i can't believe the order 66 guys and the rfh guys are here i'm like really we're just Oh, okay. I can't believe I'm here where you guys make minis that I've been playing with for 10 years of my life. Oh, my God. There's a crucible over there with molten metal in it. Um, right. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, do you know what that means? <sighs> it's the end of the show. Right as Chris gets on a soapbox. Yeah, he has a tendency to clear a room that way. Yeah, I do. But that's okay. It, would, it wouldn't be Nap a full time. show if he didn't do a soapbox at some point. Right. Yeah, well, we didn't, you know, we're going to have those old grognards on the show. Y'all didn't talk about crunch on this Order 66. What the hell do I listen to you for? Well, I would argue that the first half of the show was a lot of crunch, but... Uh, we're here to expound about Star Wars gaming, and uh, one of the more interesting game aids out there that I've found in recent months uh, to greatly enhance uh, my my playing experience. And, dude, I, I hope I speak for a lot of people when I say that I, I'm I'm a novice miniature painter and 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 miniature and and never really much of a miniature customizer. And this con opened my eyes to the possibility of realistically having custom minis for more the majority of my games. And for me, that adds a whole new depth to the gaming experience. So that's that's what I got out of it. And thank you guys for that. And isn't the point of this podcast to help people understand how to better enjoy the game? Absolutely. Absolutely. In my mind, it is. Absolutely. So to all the grognards who wanted rules discussion for the last 45 minutes, sorry. Tune in. <laughs> Tune in next week. No, no, that's right. There will not be a show next week because it's a Memorial Day. I'm going to be out of town. And, and I'm going to have Chris people in town. Be, uh, yeah, you got people in town. So we're going to take the weekend off for Memorial Day and then see you guys back here probably May 30, May 31, somewhere in that time frame for 
episode number 68. So, all right, I've got to thank our sponsors, GoDaddy.com, Buy.com. And remember, everyone, please, we got no bumpers. Again, second week in a row, you guys None. are slackers. 100% so, slackers. Where can they send those bumpers to, Dave? They can call 1-800-GET-A-LIFE. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, not that one. Maybe that's why they're not sending in bumpers. You keep telling people they need to get a life. Well, I'm going to berate them until they send bumpers. So, you know, Hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should take the the kinder, gentler approach and say, we certainly enjoy all the bumpers that we get in from all of you that listen to our podcast. And we would appreciate it if someone were to pick up the phone and call 206-600. 5872 or LUSA to the Lusa, Lusa line. That's right. And call us and leave us I Never Listen to the Order 66 podcast. That's all you have to say. Identify yourself. Do a voice. Do whatever you want to. It's anonymous. So just do it. If you want to check us out, d20radio.com, d20radio.com slash forum for the forums. Uh, check out our other shows, obviously, at uh, theholocron.net. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that, twitter.com slash gmdave. We have a face, Facebook group up for D20 Radio, all kinds of things. GM Chris finally built a Facebook page, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Dragging me, kicking and screaming. That's but right. the best way still to get a hold of me, though, is email. And so if you guys also have any questions uh, for the podcast, for D20 Docking Bay, or any topics you'd like discussed, you can, of course, email us as well, uh, gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. That's it. Easy as that. And so, for GM Chris and Tweet That Goodness, special thanks to Daryl for coming on and spending your evening with us. And as always, to our contributors, Alex Van D, Trevor C, Fiddleback, all the guys that helped make this show a success. Full-on gamer for his bumpers, uh, sounders, liners, sweepers. Does a great job. You guys, stay hard. Keep jamming. We'll see ya. <laughs> Peace, love, and good gaming. That's right. Keep them dice rolling. This is Django Fett, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. If I had, I might not have said what that one last time. This is English Bob, and I never listen to the... Oh, shit. One more. This is English Bob, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. That's the one. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. daydreaming for a very short daydreaming segment but uh, I really what I wanted to do 
for daydreaming this time around was you hear the music, right? Well, you're about to hear a whole lot more of it because at least tentatively, we reached an agreement with a service provider for D20 Radio 24-7 streaming. And we, at least the way I've got the schedule written out, I'm going to need about anywhere between 15 and 21 DJs. Yeah, we're going to need that many people. Just to make sure that we've got everything covered, you guys are only responsible for like one hour on one day, maybe two hours of one day. The only requirement is that you can stream through Shoutcast, and you have Winamp with the Shoutcast plugin. You don't have to speak. All you have to do is make sure that your audio is clean, that you have good bandwidth, and that you can transmit for the solid hour that you commit to and that you're on the air when you commit to being on the air. So that being said, d20radio.com slash forum, DJ recruiting. Ladies and gentlemen, let us hear from ya. Word. Word up, man. So we've got we've got one guy that wants to do a show called Rush Hour, all about Rush. We've got we've got another guy that wants to do like Celtic music for an hour. Uh, we're going to stream. Obviously, we're going to stream the newest versions of the podcast during the day. And it's just going to be, dude, I mean, it's just going to be greatness. One, it is my, my favorite. My personal favorite suggestion was I was talking to uh, GM Dom, and he wanted to do an hour devoted to um, uh, gaming, good gaming soundtracks. See, see, that was a marvelous yeah. idea. Good idea. Yeah. It's actually related to the. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you know, today we're going to look at different pieces from different artists that are exciting or action-packed or listen to this or listen to this. Maybe you haven't heard of this. Maybe you haven't thought about this. I think it's a marvelous idea. That's right. And like every 24-7 broadcast operation, you're going to hear these things from time to time, you know, these sound effects and all this stuff, and you're going to hear D20 Radio, where gamers roll, or something, you know, who knows? You're listening to D20 Radio. Who knows? Lots of liners and lots of sweepers. And I think we found a guy with a voice that could do that. Do you, you know anybody like that? Daryl? Hi. Yeah, yeah Daryl. You know anybody like that? You know, I, I, I'm I really not sure what you're talking about. Nah, see, there he is. <laughs> give, give us your best James Earl Jones. Get, get, get down there deep with that deep voice, you know. The, the, well, <clears throat> let's, let's see just how, uh, how low I can get it. That's about <laughs> as low as I can get right now. I've been coughing a little too much. Hey, that's still, that's still good. Especially, and then... When you start talking out of your diaphragm, you know, your voice just goes down. You can get raspy with it and just get down and really push it out. Daryl's got a really good radio voice. The, when when I first when he first got on with us, I was like, wow, he's going to sound good. Forum address, d20radio.com slash forum, F-O-R-U-M. Ch- chat room's asking for it. All... 125 in the chat room. Of course, it doesn't compare to the 250 that we had for the Holocron on Sunday, you know. Bah! Humbug. Whatever. I know, you know, all the, all, you know, that's just what it is, man. I mean, it is what it is. They, they tuned in just to hear about the Cobra Kai. That's all they, that's all they heard. That's all they okay, heard. Okay, so, so for those who haven't heard, who, who was the real villain of Karate Kid? Oh, yeah. That is, um, well, Allie. Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue, yep. I mean, she just sat there. She played Daniel and, um, oh, Blonde Boy. What's, I just I just blanked down on his name. Uh, uh, 
I want to call him Johnny. Richie. Johnny. Johnny. Johnny and Daniel. They just played Johnny and Daniel off on one another, you know. The whole movie, just playing playing them off each other. And, it, I mean, she she was she was the villainous. She was the villainous of the entire movie. And I think Sam is right. Sam is 100% accurate. Yep. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Well, that was Sensei Kreese, who yeah, some but, people you know. thought was the villain. But, you know, he's not. He's just harmless old man, you know. Uh, influencing the youth of America into doing shameful things and deeds in, in the guise of winning is everything. And, you know, coaches like that deserve to die. Or have their hands broken one, one way or the other. Yeah. No, you know what, Trevor? Elizabeth Shue, I thought, used to be a hottie. She used to be cute, you know? She's not on my list by any stretch of the imagination, you know? But, yeah, she was cute, I guess, in her day. Mm. Wax on, wax off. Ah, different, but same. <laughs> yep. It's just the way it goes. So, Daryl, what's your favorite movie? Oh, well, that's going to be a different one. I think I'm, a difficult one. I think I'm going to have to go with the new guy. The new really? guy? Really? Absolutely. Love that movie to death. Wow, dude. That is a good movie. See, I, see, from you, I was expecting, like, you know, Lord of the Rings or, you know, uh, you know, The Running Man or, you know, something like that. But no, the new guy, not bad. Knight Errant says that his favorite is Adventures in Babysitting. Uh, I respect a man that will come out and say that. Uh, well, you again, know. Elizabeth Shue. Especially since everybody knows uh, now that thanks to the opening of the show, now everybody knows that you're Jared. I mean, you are Jared. You lost 175 pounds with Subway. (laughs) (laughs) God. TG, did you, I mean, I know we've talked about this more times with Brev than it can be safe, but I mean, did you ever narrow down your list to like a favorite film? Did I ever nerd on my list? Narrowed, <laughs> that's what it, that's what narrowed, it sounded like. Yeah, that's what sorry. it sounded like. But, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Did, <laughs> did you narrow down your list to, ah. to to choose a favorite film? Oh, geez. Well, Forrest Gump is probably my top one, and I know I'm gonna get reamed for that, but that's fine. It is a really well filmed, well written, well acted. And it is an extremely deep and has a lot of really good underlying themes that okay. go through it's the okay. whole movie. Off his locker box of chocolate. It's okay, Jenny. Uh, whatever. And then the Evening Star is probably my next favorite. Oh, chick flick. Yes, of course it is. But hey, I have the right because I have boobies. Boobies. Yes. Boobies. <laughs> hey, speaking of Jared, I know this the is I another... Win that is the this I is a, another tangent. I met Jared once. Jared, the subway guy. Did you? I got my picture with him, and then I got the book that he wrote and got him to sign it. Really? For me? Yeah. And then I got my company to buy a book for almost all of my coworkers at at, at my work at the time, and he signed all of those books for them. Wow. I mean, that guy. That guy's classy, right there. You know. <laughs> that guy's done more with he less. He was a really nice guy. He was he was tall. Holy cow, he was a tall man. Hey, that that helps him carry that 127 pounds that he's got left on him in a very thin stature. Freak. Freakazoidal. Freakazoidal technology. I'm telling you. 
Mm-mm-mm. He was when I took. I'll just say this: he's a very nice guy. But when we took the picture, I had my arm around him. He was very soft. Oh, so like Good. lots of extra I'm, skin soft. I'm. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just saying with your husband there. I'm hoping he wasn't hard. <laughs> Yowzer. Oh no! No 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 no! Now if it was um, Captain Jack Sparrow. Ah, okay. that's, now that's a that guy you let be. Ah. I'm, oh. I'm hearing lists happening again. <laughs> uh, dude, okay, we we are at Gen Con in 2008, and Cat is in the chat room. Can can uh, has been told the story so many times, and wonderful GM Dom uh, when he hears this will smile. It was Dom and me and and it was just G. us three. It was yeah. just us three, and uh, they have all of course all these guys dressed up in full costume at Gen Con and you know playing the role. And this dude was Captain Jack Sparrow. He had the swagger down. He looked just like Johnny Depp. He had the voice. He, you know, yeah. if you told me that was Johnny Depp, I would have believed it in a heartbeat because the the costume was Pertwit. dead on. Pertwit. I could have every detail. That was actually Johnny Depp dressed up in his outfit that he wore in the movie. I could. He was so good, and so so good. We're, we're seeing this guy walk down the hallway, and, and like we don't we don't notice him at first, but but TG does, and I watch her, I watch her turn bright crimson, and then turn away and go <laughs> with her with her hands to her mouth, you know, like it's like it's like, like a Japanese schoolgirl, and um, and we're like, what? Oh, and we're like, come on, let's get your picture taken with him, and uh, she's like, no, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't, and we drag her up there, and the guy was so nice, and he was in character the entire time, and uh, you know, did some pictures, and then and then swaggered off like he was drunk. It was absolutely hilarious. He was. It. it you know, I never thought I would act like that meeting any kind of person that I would idolize. I was totally blown away how it just might, I don't know. I lost complete uh, um, control. Y'all shoved me into him and he turned around. I was like, yes. And I was like, hi. Can I help you? Can I help you? And, and then it, he... took, it took Chris and Dom to say, hey, will you take a picture with her? And Where's all the rum gone? That's that's exactly what's happened. And then you, you, he saw you and you were like, oh my gosh. Everyone stand aside. This girl's got to pay. And there he took off. Okay, Knight Errants in the forum saying he missed the chainmail bikini girl at Paizo's booth. Um, I saw the chainmail chain bikini girl. Wow. And and she was in good shape, but I apologize. Not, good, in, not I, good enough to be wearing that. I apologize to her if she is listening. She did have a little bit of uh, of foldage on the on the on the the lower back and and buttocks area that do, was was way too visible in that little chainmail bikini. Honey didn't need to be wearing that outfit. Foldage, fold. Are you are you ta- are you talking fupa? No, no, no. I'm ta- I'm, 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 uh, no, no. I'm talking about like Dang. like like the folds of skin on the back. Oh, and the no, buttocks no, no, no. area. No, little, no, no, no. Little little bit of cottage cheese action. You know what I'm talking oh, about? No, no, no. See, that, okay. that was that. It, there was a lot more dimples than there should have been. Right. In a chainmail bikini. What about she the chick? She wouldn't look bad in a normal bikini. All right. So or what in about clothes? Uh, no, go ahead. Just no good. Oh, well, well that's 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 something you're going to see at at cons. Sadly, is that uh, with the bad comes the good, and the good comes the bad, and then there's the big guy in the Sailor Moon outfit that you run from. 
<laughs> All right, so in the the chainmail bikini could have been pulled off by one chick up at ReaperCon. She was from San Antonio, and she was an Aussie. You know the one I mean. Size four, double Ds, little miracle. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Wow. You, you know the one she I actually, mean. She actually, she actually played some Star Wars with us. Yes, she yeah. did. She was the Wookiee. She was the Wookiee. <laughs> she was the Wookiee. And I got to give her major props because she did the Wookiee voice. And she's probably going to listen to this podcast, Dave, because, uh, you know, we did ask her to. Oh, Jesus. Well, you're hot. Call me. Hey. <laughs> wow. Oh, jeez. Okay. GM Dave Dave. at d20radio.com. My wife's in the other room, but she's sleeping, so we're fine. Oh, ah. booyah. Okay. Yep. And yeah, I'm sure that's going to really make her want to call you now. Please address uh, you know, all hey, please address all hate mail to gmdave at d20radio.com. Hey, you never know. San Antonio is a really good town. I think I'm going to move there. <laughs> oh, my God. With that, Cameron Nation, I've got to sign off. Ooh, well, fine. Go. Yeah. Oh, see, but see, you're going to, if you kill the call because you're in charge of the call, that's going to dump us all. I know. And here it I is, know. 10 o'clock already. I, I have to get some sleep. Sleep is for the week. Sleep does not exist in this dojo. Well, there's other things besides sleep. I mean, Chris's wife is still awake. <sighs> this is true. <laughs> sleep does not exist in this dojo. Pain does not exist <laughs> in this dojo. <laughs> Mercy does not exist in this dojo. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's just the way it goes. Uh, Woohoo! Yeah. All right, guys. So we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks for episode number 58 of uh, 58. <laughs> episode what? number 68 of the Order 66 <laughs> podcast. Coming to you live sometime May 31st, I would imagine. And I already said it, so I can't say it again. So we'll just say, see you then. Mm-hmm.